Chapter 1, Wayfair welcomes you to the Waberhood. Our hero, Titus Burgess, ambled down the stylish street of an enchanting utopia. A woman waved from a chic lounger. Welcome to the Waberhood, she said, where Wayfair helps everyone create a home they love. Titus stared in awe. Bohemian Boulevard, Trendsetter Terrace, Mid-Century Circle. Titus, hmm? you're reading the Wayfair catalog. Oh, you'll love Chapter 2. Wayfair's fast and free shipping saves a potluck. Wayfair, every style, every home. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today in my lowest moments I have memories of getting in the shower and scrubbing so hard to like try to scrub the filth off of me from what I walked through and I go back to that moment and see the Lord holding me you know just loving me so deeply and not embarrassed of me not ashamed but filled with so much compassion Life is a journey, and most of it is spent in the in-between, in the middle places. But every once in a while, you find yourself on the other side of something. These are the stories we are telling here. We believe that stories change the world, and we hope that when you hear stories of lives changed, obstacles overcome, lives broken, lives mended, and hope found, you'll actually see yourself in their stories. Now more than ever, we need each other, and we need each other's stories. This is on the other side. Hey friends, you're listening to On the Other Side. I'm your host, Jamie. And I'm your other host, Aaron. Today on the show, Jamie sat down with Monica Suniga to hear her story of being on the other side of sexual abuse. Yes, although this story is hard to hear, and some of you might need to skip this one, honestly, if it's too hard for you because of your own experiences, this story is important for us to lean into and listen to. And in fact, there's more to this story than just on the other side of sexual abuse. So here's Monica's story of On the Other Side of Sexual Abuse. Monica, thank you for coming to On the Other Side. This is going to be a conversation about On the Other Side of Sexual Abuse. And so this is a hard conversation to have. Uh, And so I just want to tell you up front, I'm super grateful for for you sitting down and chatting with us. Before we get to On the Other Side of that, can you set the stage a little bit for what you actually endured in your early 20s? Yeah, for sure. I, I've shared this on other platforms before, so I'll make it short and sweet for your listeners. But I, in my 20s, after graduating from college, worked for about a year and a half on campus at Dallas Baptist. And during that time, dated a really great guy, thought I was going to marry him, and the relationship ended abruptly, which led me into a spiral of depression. And I had never dealt with trauma of that kind or rejection of that kind. During that time, I lived off campus with a few girlfriends and one just was a party, a good time girl, always going out. At this point, I'm 22. I'd never been drunk. I'd hardly drank. And in her attempt, I believe, to help me walk through the pain of this rejection, she asked me to go out. And I quickly found that drinking and alcohol numbed a lot of the emotion Mm. and pain I was feeling. I remember feeling almost invincible. Like I had the control of how much I could drink, how far I could push the boundary, that nothing could happen to me. And there was one specific night where I just 
knew something was wrong. I didn't know to the extent of what was going to happen that night, but I drank and I look back now and the friends that were out with me, you know, I was roofied. I've been roofied before since after this time, I didn't know it at the time, but I was drugged by a man. And next thing I knew I'm on a bed in somebody's apartment. I don't know my clothes is being taken off of me. And I recall telling, coming in and out of consciousness and telling him, you know, I'm a virgin, please don't do this. And I called for help. There was no one available. I was in a really hard situation. And I think in the moment, I just knew there was no stopping. And so I gave Mm -hmm. in and wasn't taken home until the next day. I had no clue where I was at. I knew I was somewhere in Dallas at some guy's apartment. My phone was dead. This was before Uber. I mean, before all the things that we have now. And I just remember sitting on the kitchen floor and telling myself, like, this is your fault. You know, you mm-hmm. have been medicating with alcohol. You've been going out to party. You think you're invincible. God's angry at you. He's punished you. And I kept the secret for almost two years, didn't tell a soul, mm-hmm. and made up lies to my friends that I just stayed the night at this random guy's house and it was fine and no nothing happened and eventually that led me to spiral even more into alcohol Mm. and led to some drug abuse and all the while put a face on and went to church on Sundays and acted like nothing was wrong but looking back it was so obvious I was in a dark place and the Lord met me and really encountered me and reminded me of my identity and I encountered his love in the gospel in a way that through all my childhood and development and times with him I had never experienced before and went through a journey of healing. And that healing mm. has shaped so much of who I am and what I do today. And so, yeah, that's the backstory of how that happened and what I've been through since. So you, you mentioned that you kept the secret for two years, and I have to imagine that were some sleepless dark nights of feeling the pain from that do you remember the first time you told somebody I do and this is a a wild story that I don't recommend (laughs) to people to do it this way but God gave me a spiritual grandfather in a season of going through healing and I was doing some consulting for a nonprofit, and I met this guy and He happened to graduate from the same high school I did in this small town in Texas and really connected and he got my information and he was just very spirit led and I don't have present grandfathers in my life. And so he stepped into that role before I had really told anyone what had happened. And I remember sitting, you know, at, at my desk preparing you know, to speak on a message and I felt no peace about it. It was like one of the first times I was asked to speak and I called his name was Tom and Tom emailed me in that moment and said, you know, I've been praying for you. And I felt the Lord tell me that you're keeping a secret and that secrets make you sick. And Mm. I'm not sure what the secret is, but the word of God says that, you know, by sharing our testimonies, we will be freed and sharing the experience. And so I actually did share with him first before uh, a few nights later when I shared it publicly. I didn't go into full detail of the story, but I shared a highlight of it for Mm -hmm. a message at a conference. And it was a singles conference at Concord Church in Dallas. And I shared with him and I felt the freedom from the first time telling somebody. And then that night 
I didn't go into full detail. I just said I had a story of sexual sin and Mm. I shared and taught and talked about God's forgiveness. And the response from that conference was overwhelming, which Mm. led me to see the power of telling and how much shame I was carrying and how like layer by layer it was lifted off when people would come Mm. to me and tell me they'd been through something similar. It was like, okay, I... I'm actually not alone in this like I thought I was. Yeah. You said that night that you were on the kitchen floor and feeling like this is my fault. I've caused this. I haven't personally walked through something like this, but I've heard a lot of people deal with this kind of guilt of I I did something to cause this. I brought this on. This is my fault. What helps you transition from I did this to this was done to me? Yeah, I think... If I'm really honest, it it took me years to Mm. grasp that and to transition that and to understand that. And it took time of me deconstructing my view of God as a father and deconstructing my view of sin and what sin is. And if I'm being even more honest, the more I've read the Bible and studied the word it really, the pieces started to come together through mentorship, through counseling, this like, oh my gosh, like I, yes, was I living in sin by going out to party and numb my pain because that's running from God and not running to him. I was hiding Mm -hmm. essentially. Yes. But the sin of someone taking my virginity and raping me was not a consensual sin. Like it was not something I participated in. And that's the brokenness of our world and humanity and that's sin that's entered into our world. And it took me, I would say probably, I mean, I'm like 10 years on the other side of it. It probably mm. took me six years wow. to seven years to fully grasp that. And that lie that I was sin- that I sinned in that, that I was the problem that I made the mistake carried into so much of my life. And who I, I mean, I'm engaged now, but who I dated that Mm -hmm. really influenced it. And I, it it bled into a lot of areas that I was Mm. unaware of. And now I'm so passionate about talking about who God is and his character, because I don't want people to Mm. live in that lie that I lived in. What about his character were you not believing? Because you said you had to deconstruct this idea of him even as a father. And so what changed that? about you believing about God that helped you believe that that wasn't your fault? Yeah, I think for me, I really believed that um, I grew up in the church. I went to private Christian school. I grew up in a very small town in Texas. I love my roots. I have no nothing negative to say about it. But a lot of what I learned in a small town conservative Texas was don't have sex till you're married. And there was never an explanation why there wasn't a conversation on what sexual integrity is. There wasn't a conversation on how to honor your body and how, how, why you wait, you know, until Mm -hmm. marriage to have sex. There wasn't the conversation of what it does to you and how it can really break you outside of covenant. And that was what I believed. And I was afraid there was a bit of fear tactic. I think that I bought into that. I don't believe the church intentionally put on me, but that I walked in. And I also carried a lot of pride whenever I 
you know, went to college and was still a virgin and graduated from college and was still a virgin and Mm -hmm. was saving myself. And I was not going to be the other girls I knew who made a mistake. Like there was a lot of my own pride and then mixed signals, just things that weren't true that I carried. And so when it came to God's character, I truly thought on one hand, I can't do this. I'm not supposed to. On the other, I believed similar to how life is, you know, there, for every action, there's a consequence for your action. Mm-hmm. So I thought mm-hmm. because I was going out and partying, this is, this also took me a long time to understand because I was medicating, numbing, do what I, doing what I knew how to do to cope with the pain. And I, I can look back at that girl and have so much grace for her. But in the mm-hmm. moment I was like, she got what she was, she got what she deserved. Like mm-hmm. she was out here partying and, and acting a fool and acting like she was invincible. And God said, here you go. Like, you're going to get what's coming for you. And I believe that that's So you kind of saw him as a, as a father, just kind of, I'm going to wash my hands of her, like, let it happen. I saw him as Mm -hmm. like a father, a strict father. who was Mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm upset with you. I I thought he was so angry at me. I thought he was disappointed in me. I thought Mm -hmm. he, yeah, washed his hands of me. Like, well, you already messed up. I want nothing to do with you. I'm done with mm. you. And mm. it's so funny because I have, I think most people that believe this might have a history of that in their life. I have mm-hmm. the most amazing father ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most present, loving, affectionate provider, everything you could put on the list, spiritual leader. That's my dad, yeah. you know? And yeah. yet my view of God was not how I viewed mm. my dad. You know, it was totally different. So I walked in that and I believed that and I tried to perform and I tried to serve. And I, I think a lot of my faith was rooted in this performance up into yeah. that point. So then when I failed in my eyes, I failed. It was like, well, F it, you know, I'm mm-hmm. going to go yeah, do what I want now. And yeah. of course that didn't work out, but it took me years after coming back to Christ to deconstruct. Okay. Why do I believe that? Mm-hmm. Why do I think God is angry at me? You know, what does God's word actually say? I had to, when I say I would, I've read the word so much since this, like I've had to go back to the word time and time again to understand who is, who is God? Like, what is his character? What is the Mm -hmm. word of God say? Not what am I hearing from other people and letting that influence what I believe and who I believe he is. Now, if you were to talk about who God is, who would you say that describe his character as God, the father, when that happened to you. Yeah, man, I, I, I've shared this before. God has said to me, like, I, I loved that girl, you know, Mm. like in my lowest moments, I have memories of getting in the shower and scrubbing so hard to like try to scrub the filth off of me from what I walked through. And I go back to that moment and see the Lord, like, holding me, you know, just loving me so deeply and not embarrassed of me, not ashamed, but filled with so much compassion. And I see a father who says to me, like, there will be purpose even in this, and Mm -hmm. I will use you even more now. I believe the lie as well, that because I lost my virginity, I didn't deserve a good godly man, that I deserved a mediocre guy. Like, I was going to get, like, top-notch guy, and then 
I messed up. Right. So now I'm like middle of the road. But if I do yeah. good, maybe I'll, I'll still get a decent guy, but not the best. Yeah. And I, I see mm-hmm. a father who says like, no, I still have the best in store for you. Like yeah. wait to see what I have because mm-hmm. I would never withhold from you. You're my child. I see a father who mourned over that with me and told me this is the brokenness of the world. This is the sinful nature of man. It's all over scripture. We see it in scripture. And so that's who he is. And that's, it's so refreshing to see him that way. It's so freeing. It gives me the freedom to talk about it on the other side and not feel shame and not feel guilt or not feel gross. I feel confident and proud to be his daughter on the other side. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today speaking of talking about it i know that that's how you feel now and you've gone through a lot of work to get there i'm sure over over the past 10 years but i would imagine and and i don't want to assume that early on talking about this because you didn't have these adequate views of god you still had a poor view of god the father and you had a poor view of yourself as in it was my fault i deserve this what was it like for you to talk about this? You said you said it that first time to your mentor and, and you, you talked about it in a talk, but I, I wonder as you started to get more confident with talking about it, what was the feeling you got from people around you as you would share parts of your story that even, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, even you didn't quite understand yet the full yeah. meaning of what was going on. Yeah. So what was that experience like? I think it was, the best way I can describe it is I saw the freedom for other people, specifically other women in the church who Mm. had gone through some sort of sexual abuse and had the same theology I did or felt like they couldn't tell a soul. That was like the main Mm, thing in the beginning. I felt is a lot of people felt like they couldn't tell anybody. So when I talked about it, I saw this relief on their faces. I saw tears in their eyes. I saw people reacting and I realized Mm. I'm unlocking something for these people. So I just got to keep talking about it. That was really how I started sharing. It was like, people are feeling something. Mm -hmm. I'm not alone. No one's talking. I really felt at the time, no one was talking about it. There was not a safe place for me. I felt the church would be embarrassed of me. And so I went all in with creating a space for people. And I remember just telling myself, you know, no matter where I'm at or how uncomfortable it is, I'm going to keep going and keep sharing because it's going to bring freedom to at least a few people. And I think it's funny because I, I shared it quite a bit from like 2017 to 18, 16 to 18, maybe. And then 2019, I did a lot more speaking, but it was more on women in ministry and not a lot of this story. And then in 2020, I did a project with Preston Sprinkle and I reshared that story. And then I did an interview with him and I realized I can actually talk about it now, you know, mm-hmm. like the time in between of just pausing and not sharing it so much, I think helped me 
have better language and understanding of how to communicate about it. Because, you know, as a speaker, you practice something, you say it so much, you're used to it going a certain way. And then that pause in between help, help that light bulb switch. So I would say the development was at first, just, I saw the freedom other people were experiencing. And it was like, I've just got to keep sharing and I'm going to do my best. I'm not going to be perfect and that's okay. And it it did bring more freedom to me every time. It made me feel less and less weight, less and less dirty, like less and less of the lies, like things were falling off of me as I shared too. You know, one thing I know to be true because I've been in the church my whole life and grown up in the church and also, you know, made some poor decisions about my my life and sexuality when I was in my 20s. One thing I know is you said something earlier that rang so true to me is you said, I just assumed like I could no longer get the best guy. Like the best guys are out there, but I'm off the table now because of whatever I bring to the table. And I believed that lie as well when I became a Christian after, you know, living, you know, for myself and, and being sexually active with whoever would take me. And I believe that lie as well. And I'm happy to say 20 years later that I got the best guy that I could possibly have. And I know that you this fall are marrying your best guy. And I have so enjoyed following (laughs) your story on Instagram and your love story. And you you guys are so precious and so cute. And so I want to talk about that. What has that been like walking in this relationship that is God honoring? And then even going back and having to share the really hard parts of your story that weren't your fault that you didn't have a choice in. And so can you talk Mm -hmm. to me about that a little bit? Yeah, I would say I I think, and you might resonate with this. I've dated other guys and Paul is the first guy where I felt like our relationship was healing for me Mm -hmm. in this area. Whereas the other guys, it was almost more hurtful and Mm -hmm. hurtful for you or for them, for me, because I, and this is something that I recognized before Paul but it, I dated the guy for two years off and on and then dated Paul about a year and a half later. So it was like that year and a half made me recognize and realize this. But I, after, after the rape, I waited three years, dated two guys, both of these guys, godly men. But I didn't realize in my journey of healing that I believed the lie. Because after the rape, then I started to date guys. I would sleep with them and in the relationship because I felt shame from having sex, but it was Mm -hmm. the cycle I was in with probably about 10 guys until I stopped. And so going into dating again now, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to be a good Christian. I'm not going to mess up. And I believe the lie that I was only desired for my body Mm -hmm. and that I was only wanted for my body. And that the only way I could show love was to do something with my body. And maybe not sex, but other things to get garner the attention and the affection of this person. So in dating Paul, we jumped in head first. I mean, he's 36. I'm, at the time he was 35, I was 32. We were like, we're not getting any younger. Either this is mm-hmm. it or it's not, you know? And so we spent a weekend together with friends and I was trying to push boundaries that weekend. And we had mm-hmm. already talked about boundaries. He led in that so well in our relationship and was really good at holding to that. He's always been phenomenal at that, honestly. And the next day, like we left the weekend with friends and I had pushed boundaries and tried to make him do stuff with me and he wasn't going to do it. And I felt shame, like so much shame the next day. And, you know, we got in the car, we were actually driving to Austin to hang out with friends of ours. And he said to me, he was like, you know, I don't know if you need to hear this or not. He knew about my story, but he said, I need you to hear something that if we never kiss 
like never touch if nothing happens between now and getting married like you're enough for me and Mm. you don't have to give me anything um and he said I feel like he had already heard my story he knew about my past he had watched my story we had talked about it but he said that to me and said I just need you to know I don't need that from you like you are enough on your own and I like lost it in the car you know I'm like bawling my eyes out because I didn't know how much I needed to hear that yeah and yeah thankfully, and this is something I just encourage men to talk about, you know, his friends are married, they're older. One of his best friends, his wife has been through something similar. And Mm -hmm. so before even, you know, we talked about boundaries, he talked to his friend who's been married for seven years and said, how has this been with your wife? And Mm -hmm. what are some things I need to do in pursuing her to honor her? And if I'm honest, I didn't always know what to ask for or what to say or how to say it, but I knew I wanted someone who would desperately fight for my purity and, mm. and desire that as much as I did. Yeah. And yeah. there's this taboo thing amongst, I think our world in general, not just believers, but like a guy's a guy. If you push the boundary, he's just going to go there too. Like, and mm. that's not true. Like a guy that respects and honors you will not mm. let you push that boundary. And so that was like probably two weeks into dating that this happened. And then from then on, it honestly has, it, it like broke something in me and yeah. has not been hard to you stick to boundaries and to honor one another. And of course I'm, I'm a little nervous about our sex life and marriage. I'm not going to lie about that. And I think he is too, but we both have just surrendered that to the Lord and we're trusting that like on this side, honoring one another you know, being, we have strict accountability, which I've also never had in dating where I have two girlfriends who I confess everything to, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm being mean to him and I have an attitude, I'm confessing that sin. you know, if we're yeah. Yeah. getting a little too handsy, I'm confessing that to them. And mm-hmm. he has that accountability as well. And he let in that. And so that has been a huge saving grace too, to have women in my life who know everything there is zero secrets and I think from carrying this secret tied to my sexuality having zero secrets in this relationship in regards to our sexuality has freed me in ways I didn't know I needed Mm -hmm. no Monica I want to ask you there might be several different types of people listening to our conversation. And I'm thinking right now of the person listening, who was you 10 years ago holding a secret for fear of what people would think about them or what people would say about them? What do, what do you want to say to that person, man or a woman that might be walking around holding some secret, maybe not even the same type of secret, but just this fear of I can't say this or else? Yeah, I think the first thing I would say to them, because what I needed to hear was that you are so worthy of God's love and you have not messed it up. Mm. Like, in fact, it's just beginning. And the second thing I would say to them is to let it out. And I've, I've written it down so many times on paper before I could tell a soul. And mm. I told people, and, and it's okay to tell in phases, you know, to tell a someone you trust it has to be someone you trust who you know is not gonna judge you who's safe tell them Mm -hmm. I've had women email me and write in their secrets you know and I know Mm -hmm. I'm the first person they told and I'm honored to carry that you know but I always encourage that they go face to face with someone and sit down and tell them and 
and to let it out because secrets, Mm. it's like Tom said, secrets make us sick and they eat you from the inside out. And we were not meant to hide. If, if in the beginning, when Adam and Eve hid the the thing that God said to them is, why are you hiding? It's what he's Mm. saying to you right now. Don't Mm. hide. He's not only going to be there waiting for you, but he'll clothe you and Mm. redeem you and restore you. And so I would say you're worthy of his love and tell somebody. So, so good. Monica, I'm, I'm grateful. Uh, I'm grateful for, for your, for what you're doing now uh, with your life and helping so many people walk through this journey with sexuality and, and sin and God's love and the character of him. And I'm so excited for you and Paul and your upcoming marriage. And that's going to be so Thanks. amazing. But I just want to say thank you for sharing this with us today. And I agree with you that I think that when we share the testimony of what God's done in our lives, that we get to just shine the light so bright on him. And so it's not about what you're doing or anything, but it's what look what has God has continued to do in your life. And so thank you for sharing that with us today. Yeah, of course. It's my honor. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today you know stories like monica's are always so hard to listen to um, because i think i'm struck by the fact that so many people have experienced similar kinds of stories i mean listening to her story was heartbreaking for me and the parts of her story leading up to her abuse is also familiar to so many people Yeah, I also related to her a lot and how she was chasing alcohol to fill this hole in her heart. I have been there, done that in my early 20s. And you guys, I also started my college years at Dallas Baptist University. You know, I also related to how she felt about God being mad at her. I thought that was so interesting that she brought that up. And like, I personally can understand that. I kind of had that history of feeling like I was never good enough for God or I'd done something or something had been done to me or some part of my story, you know, made me unlovable and that God was always mad. And so I related to her feelings about that and how she had to deconstruct her feelings and beliefs of who God was to her. Yeah, I loved her story so much because yes, it was about on the other side of sexual abuse, but that part about her having to deconstruct her feelings about who God was and not always angry at her, I think that's relatable to so many of us. I also really love how she talked about sharing her story and how it brought her freedom. I have found that to be so true in my own life that when I have shared the the places I've been and how God's brought me through them and the grace and mercy that he's given me, I have found freedom there. And also, babe, what about the lie that her and I both believe that because of our stories, we thought we could no longer have the best guy out there. Yeah, I mean, it's such a lie for anybody listening that because of your story, somehow you're exempt from having 
you know, a great spouse. And you struggled with that early on and you were really honest with that. And both you and Monica ended up with uh, pretty awesome guys. That's right. She's getting married this fall and we've been married 20 years. So I say it's good. You guys, thanks for listening to On the Other Side today. I am Jamie, your host. And I'm Aaron. And we truly do hope that even if you have not experienced sexual abuse in your story, that you find things in Monica's story that resonate and push you to love God and to believe that he actually is for you and he is completely in love with you. Today's show was mixed and edited by Aaron Campbell. Show notes were written by Abby Castell. Show graphics and videos were made by Rachel Ray. And the show is produced by Lindsay Sweeney. Please share this show with a friend if you loved it. It's how most people find out about podcasts. Thank you for listening to On the Other Side with Jamie and Aaron Ivey. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.